When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is True Crime Psychology and Personality, where we discuss the pathology behind some of the most horrific crimes and those who committed them from a scientifically informed perspective. I'm Dr. Todd Grande. I have a PhD in Counselor Education and Supervision, and I'm a licensed professional counselor of mental health. Dr. Todd Grande, that's my YouTube channel. Hello, this is Dr. Grande. Today's question asks about the Gypsy Rose Blanchard case, and specifically, was Gypsy Rose manipulative in this murder case? And another question here that's kind of in line with that is, did Nicholas Godijan get a fair sentence? So essentially, was he manipulated, and should that have been factored in more in terms of his sentence? So I'm going to look at these angles. I'll start off with a brief summary. Before I get to that, these are real people I'll be talking about, so it's important to mention I won't be diagnosing anybody, just speculating what could have happened in a situation like this, based on the information that's available. And when talking about the information available, I spoke about this before in another video, I'm not really happy about all the sources of information on this case. We have a lot of people making different statements, and the statements are really not corroborated. So I put this together based on the sources, I think in a way that makes sense, and I'll put those references in the description for this video. So when looking at the timeline here, just really quickly of this case, I'll give a brief summary of this case, as I mentioned, we see three major players. Gypsy Rose Blanchard, 23-year-old female at the time of the murder, her mother, Dee Dee Blanchard, a 48-year-old female, and Gypsy Rose Blanchard's boyfriend, Nicholas Godijan, who was 26 at the time of the murder. So from the point of view of an outside observer, the case starts on the night of June 14, 2015. This is when the police discovered the body of Dee Dee Blanchard, and it was apparent when they discovered her that she had been stabbed to death. The following day, Gypsy Rose Blanchard and Nicholas Godijan, her boyfriend, were apprehended in Wisconsin. They were taken into custody, and they confessed to the murder. Now, what makes this case even more unusual than what we already see in terms of the fact that there was a murder that happened here is the abuse history. And, of course, Dee Dee was murdered. She's not alive, so she can't be diagnosed by anybody. But it appears as if there's evidence to support that she had a disorder called factitious disorder imposed on another, otherwise known as Munchausen syndrome by proxy. And this is a disorder where somebody essentially abuses another person for some sort of internal gratification, not for money or other external gain. Although DD did gain money, so it makes it a little more complex here. But in general, many people look at the behavior she demonstrated and believe it does line up fairly well with Munchausen syndrome by proxy. I covered this in a prior video. So we see that DD claimed that Gypsy Rose had a number of medical conditions like muscular dystrophy, asthma, seizures, but the physicians couldn't find anything wrong. 
but Dee Dee kept insisting something was wrong. And it appears that Gypsy Rose made several efforts to escape, to develop relationships, but Dee Dee threatened her. So it seems like closer to the time the murder happened, Gypsy Rose did believe that she had limited options in terms of seeking help, like going to the police or going to friends or family or anybody like that. She looked at her world as very narrow based on the abuse that she endured at the hands of Dee Dee Blanchard. Now, in 2012, Gypsy Rose met Nicholas Godijan. They became boyfriend and girlfriend. He had a criminal record for indecent exposure, but he also had charges of carrying a concealed deadly weapon. It was a knife and disorderly conduct. So we don't see any record. I'm not aware of any record of a conviction on those charges, but he was charged with those crimes. All the crimes stem from the same incident that resulted in the indecent exposure conviction. He also had a history of mental illness, which we find out kind of later on in the story was autism spectrum disorder. Now, an interesting aspect of Gypsy Rose and Nicholas's relationship was that it was highly sexually explicit, even involving BDSM. So it wasn't really a typical kind of romantic relationship that started off slowly and progressed slowly. This was a rapid progression into sexually explicit content. Now, this relationship continued for a while, and eventually the pair started developing their plan to kill Dee Dee Blanchard. So in 2015, of course, we see that Go to John went to the Blanchard house. Gypsy allegedly gave him a knife, but we also see another story where he stole the knife from a store. It's not really clear how he got the knife. But one thing that is clear, he did stab Dee Dee in her sleep several times. And before he stabbed her to death, he contemplated sexually assaulting her. Now, it turns out he didn't do that, but he thought about it. And this becomes more important later when I talk about the manipulation and the sentencing of Nicholas Godijan. Now, in 2016, Gypsy Rose accepted a plea bargain where she was sentenced to 10 years. She may not serve that entire sentence. In 2019, Nicholas Godijan was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Now, not all life prison sentences involve not having a chance of parole, and I'll talk about that a little later with the sentencing as well. But in this case, he did receive a life term with no possibility of parole. So this brings me to these two questions because they're kind of woven together. Was the sentence of Nicholas Godijan fair, and what role did manipulation play in his actions, if any? So before when I did a video about Gypsy Rose, I talked about several questions. And I'm going to ask some of the same questions in this video, except from the perspective of Nicholas Godijan, and I have some additional questions as well, of course, to address the manipulation piece and the sentencing piece specifically for him. So with the first question we see, did he plan this murder? So did he involve himself in a premeditated murder? And the answer is yes. He had many opportunities to stop. He traveled a long distance to commit the murder from Wisconsin to Missouri. He had a lot of time to think about it, and he admitted that he did stop to think about it before he killed Dee Dee Blanchard. The next question here would be, did he believe that Gypsy Rose was trapped? So she may have believed, and it seems reasonable to think that she believed, that she could not escape, and that she had no recourse to law enforcement. But did Nicholas Godijan believe that? Well, it seems like he should not have believed that. He wasn't abused, so in theory, his perspective would be more objective. The contacting of law enforcement was an option he specifically indicated to Gypsy Rose, and she turned him down. So he knew that was an option. They also could have sought an attorney, a social worker, a counselor, 
gone to a hospital. There were a lot of different options they had, and specifically from the perspective of Nicholas Godijan, he was aware these options were available. So this brings me to the manipulation component of this in terms of answering this question about was Nicholas Godijan manipulated. Well, in order for somebody to be manipulated, it takes two people. It takes somebody who's manipulating and somebody who is potentially vulnerable to be manipulated in some sense. So if somebody was not vulnerable at all, they wouldn't be manipulated. Now, some manipulators are so good that they can overcome a lot of resistance to manipulation. So is Gypsy Rose a good manipulator? Was Nicholas Godijan easily manipulated? Or what combination of these two aspects was present? Now, we see that Gypsy Rose may have learned how to manipulate people from Dee Dee Blanchard. Dee Dee was highly manipulative if she, in fact, had Munchausen syndrome by proxy. The trick is here, though, that Gypsy Rose expressed her manipulative abilities much different than we see with Dee Dee. So Dee Dee was directly abusive and tried to make Gypsy Rose appear ill when she wasn't to gain sympathy. And Gypsy Rose used a romantic relationship to involve somebody to murder. So both are types of manipulation, but they're expressed differently. But still, as I mentioned, Gypsy Rose could have learned how to manipulate from Dee Dee Blanchard. Now, Gypsy said that she didn't know how the plans that Nicholas Scotajan and her developed escalated to murder. So they had talked about a lot of plans, escape options, and she said she's not sure how to end up in a discussion about murder. That doesn't really seem to ring true. When somebody's talking about murder, it kind of, I think, is reasonable that they remember who brought that up first, who had that idea first. It's not like two people can be casually talking and then a few minutes later they find themselves talking about a first-degree murder plot and then they wonder what happened. That's not how murder plots work. So that seems to point toward maybe a manipulative component. Again, perhaps learned behavior. Gypsy said she never thought that Godijan was capable of murder. She said that she honestly believed he would end up not doing it. And I wonder at what point she said she was thinking about that. When she handed them the knife, or when he stole the knife and came into her house, did she really believe that he was going to walk into Dee Dee Blanchard's room and not stab her to death? Again, that doesn't really seem to ring true and seems more consistent with somebody who's trying to be manipulative. Now, later on, we see that Gypsy Rose did admit to planning the murder. Now, she still says she planned it with Nicholas Godijan, like they're both part of it. But again, we see inconsistent stories here, even from Gypsy Rose. So on the other side of the coin here, we have Nicholas Godijan's potential vulnerability. Now, he has autism spectrum disorder, and there's a lot of disagreement about the severity. This was brought up at the trial, whether it's level one or level two. I'll talk about that a little later. But autism spectrum disorder could have played a part. It could have made it so he was a little bit easier to manipulate. And he did say after the murder that he felt manipulated and used. And he also kind of made it seem like he really didn't want to be involved in the murder and he had to be convinced. And it seems like the major convincing elements were these ideas that Gypsy Rose could not escape and that it's the only way they could be together. So he indicated that he committed the murder not only to free Gypsy Rose from Dee Dee Blanchard, but because it's the only way that he could be with her. So he actually stated again after the murder that he believed he saved Gypsy Rose's life by committing this murder. So it doesn't seem like he's applying a lot of insight or intelligence to this particular contemplation, which makes it look like he's easy to manipulate. Now, it's also worth mentioning here that something is creeping in. 
introduce you to Barry Clue, an authorised financial advisor from New Zealand and a very special kind of stain on humanity. He was a very uh, knowledgeable young guy. He was a registered financial advisor. Type of guy that was bending over backwards to help you. Now you could be forgiven for thinking that Barry sounds like a great guy. And you'd be right. Well, right up until the point when you're wrong. It was all fictitious. You stole from my son who has a disability. Chris never knew. He died believing that we're all taken care of. A psychopath is somebody who lacks empathy, acts impulsively. I think there's a strong case that Barry might be all of those things, actually. To find out how Barry Clue stole over $15 million from 81 victims, subscribe to Clueless, the long con. That's Clueless, spelt K-L-O-O-G-H-L-E-S-S. Ohio is a land of mystery, from missing shipwrecks and lost treasure beneath her surface to strange phenomenon slicing through her skies, from myths that have evolved around historic events and people to the unsolved murders and disappearances that keep her communities wondering what happened. Find Ohio Mysteries on your favorite podcast app, and let's explore the inexplicable. OhioMysteries.com He indicated that Gypsy Rose did all of the planning. He said she did every bit of the planning and that she was the mastermind behind the entire murder plot. So, again, we see different stories and with the way these stories are positioned, someone is lying here. So the next question to ask here in terms of the manipulation and the sentence and kind of answering these questions is was Nicholas Godijan in imminent danger from Dee Dee Blanchard on the day that he murdered her or before that? And of course, he was not. He was never in danger. Was Gypsy Rose Blanchard in imminent danger on the day that Nicholas Godijan murdered Dee Dee Blanchard? She was not. So this is important, I think, to keep in mind when I talk about the sentencing. The next question, is he a threat to society? So now, of course, he's sentenced. He's sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole, as I indicated. So is he a threat to society? Well, we have to look at the nature of the crime and the offender to figure this out. But he did commit a premeditated murder, and he did conspire to commit the murder, and it was over a long period of time. So again, he had a lot of time to think about it. The murder was particularly brutal. It was close up and done with a knife. His behavior afterward seems cold and distant. He steals money from the house and he runs off with Gypsy Rose Blanchard. And then there's this idea that he contemplated sexual assault of Dee Dee Blanchard, which doesn't sit well really at any level. On top of this, we also have to consider the sexually charged relationship that led to this murder, so his relationship with Gypsy Rose. In terms of is he a threat to society, we also factor in remorse. He doesn't appear to be highly remorseful, and what about responsibility? He says that his feelings got the best of him and that he ended up loving someone way too much, of course, meaning Gypsy Rose. So his conceptualization, at least on the date when he made that statement, seems to still be more oriented toward he just got manipulated. He got wrapped up in this love affair and couldn't control himself. That doesn't seem really like taking responsibility or ownership. So again, is he a threat to society? It's hard to say but it does seem to come back to being easy to manipulate. And then there's the diminished capacity component. And this will be the last component I'll talk about in terms of the sentencing. 
Was there a diminished capacity on the part of Nicholas Godishan? Well, he has autism spectrum disorder, and I'll talk about the levels here in a second. His IQ is reportedly 82, which is below one standard deviation below the mean. So one standard deviation below the mean is an IQ score of 85, and again, he's at 82, so three points below that mark. And we also see in the report that it indicates he's functioning like a 10-year-old. So that does seem to represent a diminished capacity. Where the dispute kind of occurred in terms of the trial was the level 1 autism spectrum disorder versus the level 2. And this was, I think, really more about what charge he would be convicted of. He was being convicted of a charge either way here, but whether it would be first-degree murder or perhaps second-degree murder or maybe even manslaughter. So if somebody has level 1 autism spectrum disorder, they don't need very much support. They can function society relatively well with a fairly low level of support that can be intermittent. With level 2, we see that somebody needs substantial support, and this would be continual, so not just intermittent support. So I think the argument here, of course, was that he had level 1. This was on the side of the prosecution, so that meant that he really didn't need much support, and he was responsible for his actions. And the defense argument was he had level 2, and of course they each had their own experts that said this. And with level 2, maybe there was a diminished capacity, and that should be taken into account in terms of his conviction and or his sentencing. So the last point here under diminished capacity really does play into an earlier point about this idea that he may have believed he was acting in a way to defend Gypsy Rose. So take that strong belief that you're defending the life of somebody else and combine it with the rest of these elements like low IQ and other diminished capacity elements and this could be used to make a case for diminished capacity. So kind of taking a step back from this whole situation and looking at the different people involved, sometimes what you have in these situations is a stick of dynamite and a match, right? So somehow both had to be created. Nicholas Godijan clearly appears to be that stick of dynamite, and Gypsy Rose was abused, and perhaps that made her into the match. And they came together. And really what we see here is not just these two people with bad judgment, but three people with bad judgment and really no insight, but for different reasons. For Dee Dee Blanchard, perhaps the Munchausen syndrome by proxy, if she in fact had that, and some other factors. We see for Gypsy Rose, she was abused horribly for a long time, so she had a lot of fear and pain and suffering. And for Nicholas Godijan, he had a lot of lust and fantasy. So we see, again, no insight and poor judgment for a variety of reasons. So back to the question of the fair sentence. He has the life sentence now, and the purpose of that would be punishment and deterrent. So he has really no hope of getting out. I'm not sure if he has any appeals remaining either, but he might. So do I think his sentence was fair based on all the information here that I've absorbed about this case? I would say yes. I would say it's fair. And I'm specifically just talking about here the life sentence. I'll get to the parole part in a moment, the no possibility parole part. But in terms of the life sentence, I do think this is fair. And the major reasons would be that he committed a premeditated murder, he contemplated a sexual assault, he's demonstrated horrendous judgment, and he's taken no responsibility or little responsibility in terms of the crime. The only uncertainty I really have in this case revolves around the no possibility of parole. And again, this may sound strange because the life sentence seems to imply no possibly parole, but of course, as I mentioned before, it doesn't. 
a life sentence can be a fixed term, and somebody could get out of prison. Somebody could be sentenced to a life sentence and still get out of prison later on. Now, of course, he would be substantially older, but there would be a possibility if he only had the life sentence. So I think with the immaturity component and the autism spectrum disorder and the low IQ and the extreme circumstances of this case, including the potential manipulation that occurred, I feel as though the no possibility of parole element may be a little too strict. I'm okay with the life sentence, even if that goes on for 40 years or 45 years, but the no possibility of parole part just doesn't sit quite right given the diminished capacity factors and the other, again, kind of extreme elements we see in this case. So now some final thoughts on the manipulation component here. Manipulation has a variety of parts to it. It can be subtle communication, all the way up to threatening behavior and beyond. If D.D. Blanchard was guilty of these horrible crimes, the crimes consistent with the mental disorder Munchausen syndrome by proxy, so the long-term abuse here, then she, in fact, was the architect of her own demise. She abused Gypsy Rose, who then, because of that abuse, manipulated Nicholas Godijan, maybe in an effort to survive, but either way, it appears like she did manipulate him. And then, because he was manipulated and because of other factors, he decided to kill Dee Dee Blanchard. So we really have to look at situations like this and say, ultimately, who has the freedom here? Who had the freedom to make a variety of choices? Dee Dee Blanchard did. She could have sought treatment for the mental disorder. She could have made other choices. She could have decided not to break the law when she was abusing Gypsy Rose. Nicholas Godishan had freedom. He could have avoided the whole relationship. He could have not traveled to Missouri. He could have not committed the murder. He had a lot of options here. Gypsy Rose is the one in this triad who didn't really seem to have too much freedom. She was horribly abused, and from her point of view, her options were extremely limited. And I mentioned this in a prior video. That's why I believe that her sentence of 10 years is fair. So the life sentence for Nicholas Godijan, I believe, is fair. I'm not really certain about the no possibility of parole. And the 10-year sentence for Gypsy Rose, I believe, is fair as well. So really a complex case, a lot of factors going on. And it's just we see three people who came together in a situation where nothing really worked out well. You see two lives completely destroyed, Dee Dee Blanchard and Nicholas Godijan. And then you see one life severely hurt and impaired. And of course, I hope Gypsy Rose can get the mental help that it seems like she would need and that she can make a recovery. But either way, her life has not worked out very well, right? I mean, she's going to spend a lot of time in prison. She spent a lot of time abused. So her life story to this point has a lot of tragedy. So again, we see two lives destroyed and one life nearly destroyed. So a very unfortunate case, really, in every way. This has been True Crime Psychology and Personality from Ars Longa Media. This content is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis. On the morning of August 1st, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. 
You're listening to Stop the Killing podcast. Join us as we take you behind the crime scene tape to explain global mass shootings and mass attacks. I'm Sarah Ferris, but more importantly, this is Catherine Schweit, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. I spent five years as the FBI's top executive looking for answers to the mass shooting crisis. I've been at the shooting scenes. I've traced heroic acts of bravery. And I've sat silently and listened to the heart-wrenching stories from survivors. Amongst this horror, there is hope. We all hold the key to stop the killing. You just need to know how to unlock the door. Download Stop the Killing and be part of the solution. Search Stop the Killing on Apple, Spotify, and all the usual suspects.